But before, before we start, let me pray for the Lord to speak to us. Our Father, we ask that you would come and speak to us this morning. It has to be you who speaks, because it's your words that are the words of eternal life. Father, I ask that as we look at the Lamb on the throne, that you would, that we would see Jesus. We would see him as he reigns and rules over history. Father, by your spirit, I ask that you would open our hearts to hear your word to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning we have our final and seventh message in our Name Above All Name series. We started with the seed of the woman, followed by the true prophet, our great high priest, the conquering king, the son of man, last week the suffering servant, and now the lamb on the throne. Each of these weeks we've been looking at Jesus And each week has focused on a different aspect, the one same Jesus, but looking at him and his character from a different perspective. The reading that we just heard was from Revelation, the revelation given to John while he was on the island of Patmos, which is east of Greece and getting close to Turkey, and contains a whole lot of fantastical imagery. And it can be easy to get caught up in this amazing imagery and pictures that, we're t- that we see and forget that it's all intended to reveal something about history, God, and in particular, Jesus. Like how over these past weeks we've looked at Jesus from different viewpoints and through different lenses, this revelation also does the same thing looking from different vantage points, but describing and talking about the same thing. Most importantly, it is given to and does reveal Jesus, the Christ. This wasn't part of our reading this morning, but right at the start of Revelation are these words. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. This is primarily a revelation of Jesus, who is the promised Christ or Messiah, that God gave to Jesus to show his servants that he did by his angel to John. So the question we should have in the back of our mind anytime we read from this revelation is, 
what is this revealing? What is this telling me about Jesus? So let's return to the picture that we are given in Revelation that we had read for us this morning. Just prior to where we met the text, John, in his vision, had been transported to the throne room of God, where he sees this amazing scene of worship. Even those with delegated authority bow down and worship. Their authority pales in the light of the awesome glory, power, and authority of God on his throne. And their authority is laid down in reverent submission to him. And John sees a scroll in the right hand of the one on the throne. The scroll is written on both sides. It's full and complete. And is completely and perfectly sealed with seven seals. And John becomes deeply distressed when no one is found worthy to open the seal, open the scroll, or look into it. John somehow grasps the deep significance of this scroll and that it must be opened. It is essential that the scroll is opened for things to continue. And it's then while John is despairing that one of the elders speaks to John a message of hope. There is one who has conquered, so he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And look, it's the lion of the tribe of Judah, Judah, the root of David, the promised Messiah. And so John looks, but instead of a lion, he sees a lamb standing there between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. This lamb that John sees should be dead. It looks as if it's been slaughtered, but instead it's alive. For the original readers of this revelation, especially those of Jewish background, a slain lamb had a special significance in their history. They would have been familiar with the system of sacrifice that was given to the Levitical priesthood during the Exodus and was carried out at least until the Romans destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. This was directly linked to Jesus by John the Baptist when Jesus was coming towards him. And he declared, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In addition, there's the Passover lamb, where God instructed that a lamb be taken and kept, and then its blood be painted on the doorstops of the houses of the Israelites as they were preparing to flee Egypt, so that they might be saved from the final plague that God would inflict on the Egyptians, killing all the firstborn. Paul, in his first letter to Corinthians, to the Corinthians, makes this connection and calls Christ our Passover lamb. And we also call to mind what is written in the book of Isaiah, commonly called the part about the suffering servant, which you would have all listened to last week, which I listened to this morning, which begins in chapter 52, And continues in chapter 53. 
And we see this connection to Jesus made clearly when Philip, as recorded in the book of Acts, speaks to the Ethiopian eunuch from Acts 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. This lamb that John sees, the one who's been slain and now alive, is clearly Jesus. The one who came into the world, born as a man, and who went to the cross to bear the judgment for sin, to die the death that we deserved in our place. Who having died, rose again on the third day, never to die again. It's this Jesus, this sacrifice of sin, this Lamb of God, who we, now, who we see now approach the throne and take the scroll from the right hand of the one seated there. And in doing so, is shown to be the Lord of all history, who holds all of history in his hand and executes it. The response from all surrounding the throne, from all creation, is rightly worship. Revelation 5 verse 8. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, 
numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honour and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. It's pretty amazing. But then sometimes when we look at the world around us, the world we live in, we see so many things that at first glance seem to fly in the face of what we've been looking at and reading today. The world, by and large, seems to be set against God and his people. Our society seems intent on pressing the opposite way to what God has ordained in creation. And through laws and other means seeks to establish an alternative kingdom. It was the same for the early readers of this revelation. All these promises of Christ's victory, but our day-to-day experience can seem quite different. And it's not just out there that things can seem to be not going so well. It's often in here. But this revelation of Christ shown to John should bring us great hope. Jesus is worthy to hold the scroll and open the seals and be Lord of history because he has conquered, because he is victorious. On the cross, he was victorious over Satan and his cohort, man who rebelled against God, the world and the flesh. He defeated you and me. And the following chapters in Revelation show us that rather than being evidence that Christ is not in control, all that we see going on in the world around us is part of the action of Christ, bringing history to its goal through judgment on the human race and the evil powers. And what we consistently see is that the people of God who have been redeemed through the blood of Jesus, are secure. Nothing can interfere with or thwart their future, and they join in worship of him. We read this further on in Revelation 7. It says, Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. 
for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So whether it's the big things or the seemingly small things, we can have hope because Jesus, our Saviour and King, is Lord of history and absolutely nothing is outside of his authority and control. I've had a lot going on in my life recently. Some of you may know some of it. I, a job opportunity came up, uh, which in itself was a little bit daunting because I'd been at my pre- like just recent employer for 11 years, 11 years and five months at the time. And so thinking about a different job was, well, it's a big thing. Not only that, I had a friend's wedding coming up and I was the best man. So that's a bit of responsibility and I had to prepare a speech. And not only that, I had to prepare a speech, uh, sorry, a sermon for church. (laughs) And not only that, I was asked to speak to Young Engineers Australia uh, about public speaking, which is coming up next month. This month now, actually, in a couple of weeks' time, maybe, hopefully. So there was a lot going on. And from a from the point of view where I'm sitting there, it's like, how is all of this going to be possible? How can this come to fruition? How am I going to have time to do everything I need to do? Um, because, I, oh, sorry, I was, I was successful in getting that job, so that's just part of the story I missed. So suddenly I have to wind up at work and hand over everything, um, and I'm not going to be there for the full four weeks because of this wedding. And the question in my mind is how, how is this going to all be successful? How is this all going to take place? I, for the wedding... And for the speech, I had a pretty good idea for what I wanted to say. But because of the busyness of finishing up at work, I had done a lot of thinking about it, but not a lot of writing. And so I finally, on the day uh, where I was on holiday from work for a couple of days to go to this wedding in Canberra, I started writing it down. And I was working with the maid of honour on a sort of joint speech. And the first part was fine, but the second part where I was going to speak a little bit about Christian marriage was a little bit harder. And God, I was sitting there, like I was lying there in bed the night before the wedding. It was about 12.30 a.m., 12 a.m. past midnight. And slowly, over the course of the next hour and a half, God gave me what I needed to say for that second part, talking about Christian marriage. I didn't know how it was going to happen. But Christ, who is Lord of history 
and holds all of history in his hand. He was working out his purposes. Even when I was stressed out and you know didn't see how I'd be able to get this finished in time. So whether it's the big things in life, such as what's happening in our world, all the trouble and turmoil that we see, or things closer to home, whether things like I experienced or maybe school coming up in this current week, Christ is Lord over it all. So we can have a great hope. This one, who we have seen as the seed of the woman, the true prophet, our great high priest, the conquering king, the son of man, the suffering servant, has been lifted up and enthroned higher than any other power or authority, and all things have been placed under his feet. Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians, who, that is, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father.